That's Canada's music. All we do is win, 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 headed to an opportunity nice. to medal at the FIBA World Cup with a big win over Slovenia yesterday. Now taking on Serbia tomorrow morning at 4.45 a.m. Eastern. Welcome to our spooky hours that we're up. Our insider is brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Will Lou, host of the Raptors show. Have you already set your alarm? What's your game plan? 445, buddy. I know you're not like the most of a morning guy. Not like yeah. you're not Alex Wong, but you're, you know, you're, uh-huh. you know, you, you have afternoons. You like an afternoon, not a 445. I think I could say that. Yeah, yeah. I've um I plan ahead in, in this instance. So today I had my alarm set for six thirty just wow. to, just for fun, you know. Like um, I did hit the snooze button like fifteen <laughs> times. Uh, but I'm here. So uh, I don't know how four forty five is gonna go, but uh, I will be there no matter what because uh it's been a great run covering mm-hmm. Canada through the World Cup and um yeah, one more win and they get to the finals and then Really, who knows, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the dream scenario is Sunday morning we wake up at 8.30, which is oh. like, totally normal, especially <laughs> as a Premier League fan. Mm. And, um, yeah, you wake up, you see hopefully Canada versus USA in the final. That'd be amazing. And then you watch a whole day of football. So Yeah, that would be an absolute dream, Will. Uh, yesterday felt like a prototypical Team Canada win. Just Slovenia was hot in the first half, but that's okay because what Canada does over the course of uh, an entire game is just wear you down and then rely on their best player, which is Jake Gilders-Alexander. He has been the best player. I think you can say now at the tournament, he's moving on and Luca isn't. But isn't that what they do? That's the recipe for success of this tournament and just wear you down defensively, push the pace, make it go faster. And then at the end of the day, you look up and you're like, wow, how, how did that happen against this Canada team? Yeah, that's. I think that's a good way to put it because, you know, um, over the course of watching this team, both in their warm-up games and then in their six tournament games so far, they rarely get out to this, like, flying start. Like, I don't know, maybe if they're, if they're playing, like, Lebanon or, you know, these... Even, like, France, who were no good in this tournament, even though we all expect them to be good, mm-hmm. like, they pull away usually in that third quarter, um, and and then they always finish strong. They've been really good in the fourth quarters, uh, with the exception of that loss to Brazil, which was only by, like, one possession. Um, yeah, like, that is something that they can rely on. It's weird because they don't actually have that much depth, but what I like is that they have a lot of depth at wing, and so... Uh, head coach Jordi Fernandez has had the opportunity to sort of lean into more creative tactics. Uh, and I think that's a big part of their second half pushes as well. Like you saw, for example, in the do or die game against Spain, which was very, very close. And Canada was down 10 at halftime. He changed the starting lineup. He took out his captain, Kelly Olnick. He put in Lou Dort and he made um, a small ball group that really allowed Canada to get back into the game and fought back from down double digits twice in the second half against Spain. And so, you know, I think there's there's a tactics portion that also goes into it as well. But as you're mentioning, the exhaustion of, you know, especially these teams led by, you know, one star, mm. right? Like Slovenia is very much a one-star team. Yep. You throw Dylan Brooks on him, and then even after Dylan Brooks is ejected, it's like, all right, Lou Dor, get in there. That's like literally two of the best, like, defenders in the world, period, um, that you can just toss on these kind of opponents and and looking ahead to serbia i'm thinking the same thing like okay it's not going to be the same deal where it's no nobody on serbia is going to have the ball every possession like luka but at the same time like you know bogdan bogdanovich who plays for the hawks he's such a big part of what the serbians have done in this tournament and if you can stick again those two guys on him it's just such a great luxury to have like i think 
Shea has obviously been the best player in this tournament, and that's awesome. And he keeps coming through in the fourth quarter, which is amazing. But um, I also think that the other advantage Canada has is they don't, you know, there's not another country out there, maybe the USA, but honestly, the USA haven't even really been tested. They haven't really played great competition throughout. Canada's played a way harder road. And the USA doesn't even have like two on ball defenders as good as, you know, Lou Dort and uh, Dylan Brooks. So, it, it, I mean, yeah, this is why we wake up at 4.45 a.m. to watch this, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I feel like a lot of casual fans that maybe didn't know the entire makeup of the Canadian basketball team here are learning about a lot of different faces that are NBA players, that are NBA stars. Of course, Shea is like the face of this team, but even Dylan Brooks, right? I think the narrative, and, and for sure myself, like, you know, Dylan Brooks because of some of the drama last season, mm-hmm. but he has completely won over the hearts of a lot of Canadians. You want this guy on your team. He's fierce. He's the perfect villain and you know he's kind of funny like after the game with the boxing gloves he gets ejected like he did his part and I think we're seeing a different side or understanding Dylan Brooks more than we probably did um, and coming to love that he's on the Canadian team and he's so hard to play against and it would be pretty tough to have you know to go against him if you're playing the, the United States and he was on that team right so I think the idea that Dylan Brooks is maybe winning over a lot of people is a really good thing for him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. This is a great redemption tour for him. I mean, it's been a great summer for him, period. I mean, uh, the way last season ended for the Grizzlies, um, you know, he was pinned for a lot of it. You know, they're talking about, oh, we got a bad locker room issue. I'm like, I I mean, yeah, I I mean, I I feel like, you know, a lot of that came down to John Morant wouldn't stop playing with guns publicly. I don't know how Mm -hmm. that has to do with Dylan Brooks's leadership. Like, that's that's an absurd leap. Like, the Grizzlies had lots of issues. Granted, he didn't play well enough for the Grizzlies and, you know, got into uh, a needless spat with LeBron, which also carries its own kind of thing where LeBron obviously has like, I mean, it's like beefing with Beyonce. Like, well, why would you do that? Right. Like the whole hive is going to come after you. So um, that wasn't a good idea. But at the same time, he got paid in the offseason. Right. Four year, 80 million dollar deal for the Houston Rockets, which did seem quite generous. I'm not sure who else was really competing for that. But at the same time, Houston was looking to bring in a tougher culture. Um, in terms of, you know, focusing on defense, you know, being really solid on that front. They brought him in for that young group, along with Fred, obviously. And so, you know, that was already a win for him. But then him coming to this Canada program, I mean, previous years, you know, he didn't play. I mean, that's sort of been the history for a lot of these players. But he commits to the program this year. And even coming into the training camp, I'm not sure he had a guaranteed starting spot, right? He had to kind of earn that starting spot in the course of training camp, in the course of the the warm-up games. And not only did he win it, but he's really, you know, gone ahead and ran with it. And I think we're seeing like the very best of Dylan Brooks or at least like the positive side. Mm-hmm. You know, there is definitely an undeniable aspect where he does a little bit too much. And sometimes he'll even yesterday he got ejected. Right. That's not a good thing. And I like that Jordy Fernandez was very clear in this postgame and said, look, you know, he praised Dylan and he said he played absolute perfect defense against Luca, which was not easy to do. But at the same time, we need you in the game. He cannot get ejected. Right. And so held him accountable for that. But at the same time, we're seeing him turn down, you know, the shots that he's been known to take at the NBA level. That's been the biggest thing for him is he's not a particularly good score, but he takes a lot of shots. And so um, he's cut back on that in this tournament. I mean, you even see that he'll turn down pretty open looks to try to make the next play for the next guy. Uh, but at the same time, when he's needed to, especially in the last two games here, he's really stepped up and contributed to that offense. Like that in the game against Spain, which, I mean, that was such a hard game, and Spain had such a really rehearsed system. 
Dylan Brooks was a guy who was really willing to take some of those shots. And obviously he tied the game at 80-80 before Shea, you know, gave them the lead for good down the stretch there. I mean, that's huge. He hit three threes in the fourth quarter. We're talking about Dylan Brooks, right, in in that game. And then this game as well against Slovenia, he hits another three in the fourth quarter. Um, So he's been great. And, of course, his defense is just always reliable. And I think the, the, the thing with him, too, is just, um, in the last two games in particular, he's also found a way not to take too many early fouls, being too aggressive on the ball. Because I think that there is this temptation where it's like, okay, it's feeble play, you can get a little bit more physical. But at the same time, if you are over physical and you pick up early foul trouble, when you only have five, there was a lot of games early on in this tournament where Dylan had to take himself out of the game because he had two quick fouls in the first half. Um, him being able to stay in the game and manage his foul trouble has also been huge because the more he plays, sort of, you know, the more of the positive benefits come to the front. And then, as you mentioned, the character too, right? Because, like, look, mm-hmm. the leader of the team is obviously Shea, right? He's But he's really cool. He's really collected. You know, he's really composed and he's within himself, and that's awesome, right? But who's going to be sort of that, like, you know, loud, like, in your face, like, not afraid of anything, like, play up to the crowd? It seems like the crowd, especially in the Philippines, they seem really... Uh, up on the Lakers and the Warriors, and those two fan bases definitely hate Dylan Brooks. <laughs> uh, so he's been booed every every game yeah. too, but he's loving that as well. He's bringing this like edge to the, to the team. So I, I mean, I'm just really enjoying it. We're getting the full Dylan Brooks experience, uh, but only in the good way, which I think is uh, is great for the country. And, and honestly, he's been arguably Canada's second best player in this whole run, which I don't think anyone expected coming in, but we've absolutely needed it. So. No question about it. Uh, I want to talk about Jordy Fernandez because it feels like as soon as the inevitable happens in this upcoming NBA season and a team decides to fire their head coach, how do you not look towards Jordy Fernandez and the job that he's done? There was one moment after the Brazil game, Will, where he kind of went off on his team. And I was really, really surprised in the moment. He said, one of the things he said, I guess one of the quotes, Shea has to score the ball and play make. He didn't. Kelly Olenek has to play, make, rebound, and score efficiently. He didn't. R.J. Barrett has to run the floor and score efficiently and defend. He didn't. And I thought to myself, this is a very bold risk to take in such a short tournament because what if they just turn on you and that's one game and, and you're done? But evidently, he has had the ability to control the locker room enough where his team responded to the point where now they're in uncharted territory in this tournament being in the semifinal for the first time. So how, what can you say about the job that Jordan Fernandez has done with his team? It's been, it's been great. I mean, obviously Canada basketball as an organization was put into a difficult position with Nick Nurse deciding um, that, you know, after a month after taking the Sixers job, he's like, look, I, it's actually too busy for me. I can't really do this. And so, Jordy really only had a month to be with this group, earn their respect, and, you know, get along with the group. And by all accounts, you know, everyone's really bought in. Um, I think they were bought into Nick as well. But I think that the fact that Jordy was only here for a very short time, he's been able to get that respect. And, you know, there's there's something about Jordy where even in the process, because he was um, one of the candidates for the Raptors as well mm-hmm. um, to be head coach. And so I looked into him at that point as well. But there's just this common theme where he's able to um, really connect with players, really rally with players. He's got a bit of a swagger about him as well. You keep seeing him right now in these uh, in these post games referencing these sort of Canadian, you know, musicians, which I think <laughs> is just a good tactic for him, just to sort of in, uh, endear himself to the fan base. But like when you hear him in the timeouts, especially, that's one of the coolest things about watching these FIBA games is that you get a direct camera and a microphone into the timeout. 
Um, and there's not as many timeouts, um, but you definitely get to see them between quarters. Uh, but like you get to see exactly what he's saying, how the players are responding to him, what the plays are that he's drawn up. And in those like moments where it's like the heat of battle, he has been able to get through to his players, communicate effectively with his players. And I think that's for the most part, what you want to see from coaches. Like I wouldn't say that, you know, there's not as much with Jordy as compared to a guy like Nick, for example, where we were always looking at Nick of like, oh, there's this brilliant adjustment here. And what did he just do here? This is so cool, especially defensively. Look how creative this is. But I think with Jordy, what you're seeing is you're seeing still some of that creativity with this group. But at the same time, you're seeing him connect really strongly with the players. And so I think it's really impressive. Um, And to your point, like, yeah, I mean, you know, when there are the next round of head coaching vacancies in the NBA, I'm sure Jordy will receive more calls. Um, he's already, you know, had quite a few. So we'll see what the long-term, um, you know, situation with him is going to be. I mean, if he gets hired with a different team, you know, is he going to con- continue being able to coach Team mm. Canada? Who knows? Ideally, or at least selfishly, as a Canadian basketball fan, I'd, I'd like for him to stay on the program as much as possible, especially because now they've made it to the Olympics. Now I want Jordy to have that continuity going into the Olympics. Imagine they had to change coaches again. No. Um, but at the same time, I also want to say credit to the players too, because they've been really, really bought in. Like everybody's really been on the same page. You know, like even Dylan Brooks, for example, like, you know, it could be very easy for Dylan Brooks to take his bad habits from Memphis, especially with the shot selection, and bring it over here. He hasn't done that. And I think not only is that a credit to the the head coaching and, the, and just the coaches in general, but it's a credit to the players too. They're committed to this and they're not really here um, to do anything other than get Canada through to the Olympics, which they've already done. And then now try to get the gold medal at the World Cup, which will be a first. How much of the credit do you put on some of the veterans, right? Um, people that aren't getting the same amount of love, Dylan Brooks, Shea Gilgis Alexander, um, even RJ Barrett, but some of those guys that have been there, Kelly Olinick. Um, we talked to Rowan Barrett, and we talked to Carl English the other day. And I mean, they even deserve uh, some of the older guys that made it made this happen the last decade, the last two decades to get Canada to uh, the Olympics into this part of the FIBA World Cup. There's a lot of grinders that have put in effort a long time coming. Um, how much of that has also been instrumental in getting acquainted with a new head coach when you're down in a game, knowing what it takes to flip the script and to keep pushing? Yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing that's been really beautiful about this whole process is like everyone wants to get to the Olympics, right? And I'm sure that you know, next summer when it's Paris 2024 and it's, I mean, let's be honest, it's also Paris. People just want to go to Paris anyway, but like it's the biggest stage in sports. You're going to see an even higher level of commitment and even higher level of talent. Like what I, would it surprise me to see Andrew Wiggins at that situation? No. Like it would you surprise me to see Jamal Murray join the situation or this other NBA players? No. And I would welcome that. And I want Canada's best players at the Olympics. Um, but at the same time, the, uh, qualification to get to this point in, in some of these qualifiers that took place that you know during the NBA season that no one really heard about and where Canada's you know respectfully putting together like a C or D team to to go to some of these countries and to to make some of these sacrifices from the leagues that they're playing in and to make the contributions there a lot of those guys you don't even know about you don't even hear about like for example you know you you see Phil Scrub on the roster right now like it's like guys like that were you know, they have contributed and sacrificed at every single level. And even at the World Cup right now, you're not seeing them get many minutes. But at the same time, there's been this contribution across the board. And so what we're seeing is sort of just like this group, which is obviously very talented and probably the most talented group that Canada's put together in a very, very long time. 
but they're kind of being you know foisted upon you know the shoulders of all the other players uh and even the organization of team of canada basketball which has really improved and they've stepped up and they've secured a lot more sponsorships and you know even better broadcasting deals like the fact that we're able to just turn on the tv on watching on sportsnet is a lot better than having to get at the zone subscription which i only had because i was a big soccer fan it's like you know that was the last world cup you have to watch it on the zone you know and, and you, you can't even get it on local cable so even the level of investment that has been brought into this program and the sponsorships that have been able to make things happen like travel make things happen like insurance for the players that's huge you know like it's not very easy to insure a max contract it's not cheap but you need money for all that. And so, yeah, this is a combination of a lot of things happening at the right time. Um, and and the whole idea is sort of just like not necessarily to get the credit, but to get Canada to the point where they should be, which is in the semifinals right now with the chance to you know advance and get to a gold medal game potentially and also get them to the Olympics because this is sort of what basketball has been um, in Canada for a long time. We see lots of players come in and, and you know, obviously they, you know, we go back – 20 30 years ago now but the canada getting two basketball franchises you know obviously toronto being the one that really continued to sustain um winning the championship like you know, that's just a buildup of success of basketball in this country and um you know we want to see it at the national level as well and we finally have so it's been really beautiful but it, it's it's not just like shay and, and rj and, and dylan and and all these other guys who are carrying us over the finish line. It's you know, a lot of people put us in this position in the first place. So they, they deserve recognition as well. Yeah. I've just been so impressed with their uh, wherewithal and ability to just move forward here, even having clinched the Olympic berth, like the showing up against Slovenia and the way that they did, like the, it's pretty clear to me that, you know, the culture has been established and their goal is to win this entire thing. So let's look mm-hmm. forward to, Serbia and what they're going to have to do against Serbia. It's not exactly a one-man team like Slovenia was. No disrespect to any of the, the Slovenian players, but Luka Doncic is almost a one-of-one, one, so you understand what I'm saying. Uh, Serbia, a bit of a different story. Bogdan Bogdanovic, uh, Nikola Jovic, who has been ridiculous. They had a player who lost a kidney. So they've sort of been been through the ringer a little bit uh, in this yep. tournament. What What is going to be the recipe for Canada against Serbia, and is it just more of the same in sort of wearing the opponent down uh, over the course of uh, of the game yeah I, I think so i mean i think um yeah serbia is going to play differently than than slovenia um you know i mean slovenia presented its own challenge and the fact that luca is brilliant and like pretty much impossible to stop i mean uh but yeah i mean you know similar principles i think with a lot of european basketball teams you know they play really together as a team um they really execute well in the half court um and i think the the bigger challenge with serbia is like they they have a lot more size than Slovenia. Like Slovenia, even just watching them over the course of the tournament, they struggled a lot because well, one Luca was their only threat, and also B, um, they didn't have credible rim protection. And so you saw a guy like RJ Barrett, for example, get downhill for multiple dunks. You saw Nikhil drive downhill for two-handed dunks. You saw, you know, even Dylan Brooks getting downhill and, and getting to the basket. Obviously, Shea can do that against anybody, but that's because he's special. Those other guys, they're able to get downhill because there's just not great rim protection for Slovenia. And so Canada actually played a relatively, for me at least, a relatively stress-free game. Um, I, I don't think it'll be as easy against Serbia. It's not like Serbia has guys that are going to jump up and like stuff you at the basket, but they have a lot more size to bump you and, and prevent you to get there in, in the first place. But yeah, I mean, at the same time, I, I think Canada has a pretty good idea of sort of how they want to play um obviously Shea has been excellent throughout the whole thing he really even hasn't had an off night 
Um, and, you know, unless Serbia prob- like really dedicates like two defenders and forces the ball out of Shea's hands and forces Canada to beat them from the three-point line, um, I, I can just see Shea having another great game. Um, and, yeah, I mean, if you shut down Bogdan Bogdanovic, like, the, you know, Serbia almost lost to Italy, for example, early in this tournament, and Bogdanovic had a poor game in that one. Now, I think that one was just mostly bad shooting luck. But ultimately, if you can get him into an off night, you can really throw this group out of kilter because there's not that much offensive creation, I would say, um, from the rest of the roster. That's not to say I want to like underrate them at all. They have the exact same record as Canada, and they've also had some really good blowout results. Mm-hmm. For example, Canada lost to Dominican Republic in the warm-up games, and they blew them out, right? So I want to give Serbia their respect, and they're obviously an amazing, fantastic basketball country with lots of history of playing basketball but i i think with the canadian group we can trust in our talent and um yeah i mean we if we just go from there um you know this is already such a great base to stand on and i think the one thing i really loved about the slovenia game was just canada looked so much like it, it was like a weight had been lifted off their backs mm-hmm. it's like we had qualified for the olympics now we don't have to play as tight they were so tight against brazil and they were really tight against spain as well except for dylan and, and shay who really carried them over the edge they were playing great and free-flowing as a team yesterday. And even when it was tied 50-50 at halftime, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it feels like <laughs> Slovenia is hitting all these crazy deep threes. I think if if they play free and together um, again, I think they have a really good shot at beating Serbia. Like, they'll be favorites for sure. Yeah, they're playing, they play some free basketball. Uh, Shea being the best player on the team, rolling with that momentum. I certainly think that we could be talking about a gold medal appearance on Sunday morning. Uh, but in 24 hours from now, we'll know the result. Uh, 4.45 a.m., we'll be looking forward to seeing your tweets live, Will, because it'll be a big one. I think the entire world, hopefully the Canadian world, will be watching these guys go. I appreciate you jumping on and uh, enjoy the rest of this tournament. Thanks, Will. All right. Thank you. That's Will Lowe, host of the Raptors show and our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. As we mentioned, tomorrow, Friday, Serbia, FIBA World Cup semifinals, 4.45 a.m. on Sportsnet, but you got pregame coverage at 4.30 a.m. Danielle Michaud, Sherman Hamilton, Mike Grange will be grinding it out in spooky hours. Should clarify that it's Nikola Jovic, not Jokic. Yeah. <laughs> Playing in tomorrow's game, like Nikola Jovic, a pretty good player in his own st- right. Yeah. But yeah, they don't have Jokic, who yeah. obviously Close, is though. the MVP of the NBA. <laughs> That's the Jokic that you have at home. Yes. They're like, oh, exactly. you've got this at home. It's but Jovic. yeah, he elected not to play, uh, similar to uh, Jamal Murray. They had a pretty long summer, clearly, NBA champion. Yeah. NBA MVP uh, multiple times. So, yeah. Horse racing. Yeah. He's busy. Yeah. The horse racing. Exactly. Uh, Do you want to read what you just sent me on Twitter? (laughs) Which one? I sent you three things. Uh, The food one. The food one. Yeah, I will read the food one. Because we're we're headed into NFL season, which means new things are happening. This is one of like, you know, Darren Ravel on Twitter. This is one of his things that he tweets out. uh, All the new foods that are uh, Mm -hmm. showing up at uh, sporting Mm. venues. Uh, around sports and this is at eagles games this year it's called slim chicken 2.0 frosted flakes fried chicken cooper sharp cheese honey glazed bacon cherry jam and ghost chili with this is the kicker apple fritters as the bun so i'm gonna go ahead and say that is first of all probably gonna set you back like 60 bucks but also probably four thousand calories more Eating more? Slim chicken, first of all, you're not going to be slim if you're eating these. Um, fried chicken itself, it lots looks of cows. spectacular. It's a, a cheese. 
a bacon, cherry jam, apple fritters alone. The apple fritter buns alone are 2,000 calories minimum. Look at those things. They are What's thick. the average daily intake for like, a, a uh, human? 2,500. Yeah, around, yeah, okay. It depends if you're Balkan season so, or not. So, I, I mean, you have a choice on your hands. You could just not eat a single thing all day and then go to the Eagles game and get a Slim Chicken 2.0 and, cr- like, you're still over, but that, that's fine. You got you to gotta live a little. That's fine. I mean, if you're going to a game, you're probably crushing a couple pints, too. That's and you're true, not too. worried it's about your intake. Day, but that's okay. It's all good. Like, you know, you YOLO and have some Slim Chicken <laughs> 2.0. I, I do. It looks unbelievable. It does the, like, really look the, good. the fried chicken with like the flaky uh, crust is unbelievable. It doesn't even have to be frosted flakes. In this case, obviously, it yeah, is. Yeah, that's but, an interesting addition, the frosted flakes. Yeah. That's a little yeah, sugary, but sign me up. Like, that's something that could be at like a breakfast place. And, in, in, you know, like if a, I was coming off like a, a night. Bougie, like York Bill. Yeah. Yeah. If I was coming off a night, you'd want that? I'd. I'd Go for something like that. Not quite That's that not extreme. Your but average diner, sloppy. No, I'm, no. I'm more of like a give me like the greasy, you know, local diner breakfast, mm-hmm. not a you know gourmet concoction. <laughs> uh, that kind of reminds me of the CNE foods that we had uh, last right. week. We did a taste Very test, similar. and there's some good ones. Uh, speaking of good ones, Chris Berman's going to join us after the show. What a way to tee up what is the start of the NFL season tonight. Detroit Lions, Kansas City Chiefs, 8 o'clock p.m. Uh, we've been waiting a long time for this, folks, and it is hours away, and maybe you want to send in your Wake and Rake picks as well. Thursday night football, it's a treat to get to pick something else for the Wake and Rake other than MLB action. So send that in at 590, 590. All of that to come on the final 30 minutes of the Fan Morning Show with Jesse and Ailish. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The JD Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Officially less than 12 hours till kickoff tonight. Lions and Chiefs, it all begins. The long dance to the Super Bowl. We didn't do any Super Bowl predictions on this show. We still have about 20 minutes to lock them in because okay. uh, as soon as the games start, it doesn't count anymore. That's Your fair. Picks. I love that. Uh, Chris Berman, NFL studio host from ESPN, joins us. Uh, an absolute legend. And what a way to kick off today's uh, march to the big show. It's Chris Berman. How's it going? Uh, good morning, and um, I, I, I will say that you guys have been enjoying football. <laughs> Before we get started, Argos nine and one, huh? That's right, our Argos. Let's go, Argos. <laughs> yeah, uh, we had Chad Kelly on the show yesterday. Yeah, you keeping tabs on us or what? <laughs> well, no, I think it's awesome. Uh, Chad, good for him. He's had an interesting road, but the road that he right, he came in in relief, or he was a big star in the in the Great Cup, and he hasn't looked back and got a new contract. So, just to let you know, I'm paying attention to. Uh, <laughs> of course, you guys got a long way to go, a long season, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But my God, it it's uh, good for you guys. You're getting good attendance, and then you can ask me the questions. Are the <laughs> fans showing up? Oh yeah, great attendance. Uh, it has been. It's really like ignited the city since they won the Great Cup, and of course, Chad Kelly, Swag Kelly has been a massive part of it. And we're not as bad as the Edmonton Elks at home. So, I mean, at that point, 
you're, it's all gravy for us here in Toronto. It's good to have a team uh, doing well uh, in our city. Um, okay, let's go to Lions and Chiefs because, of course, we're hours away from the kickoff of the NFL season. Um, I'm sure your excitement level is as high as ours. You can hear it in our voice. We're excited to have NFL back. But I think the Lions are getting uh, some questions around, are they deserving of this spotlight this season? They've been put in so many primetime opportunities. Are they going to Lions their way through um, tonight's game? How do you predict that this one starts off? Well, the Chiefs, two of their best. I mean, I don't know for sure on Travis Kelsey, but even if he's limited, let's just say he he, he plays less than 50% of the plays. Mm-hmm. So that means two of the three best players on Kansas City, as good as they are, uh, are not playing. Chris Jones is, you know, contract, and, and he's their best player on defense by far. And Travis is more than just a security blanket for Patrick. That being said, hard to beat. Although the Bills did it last year, emphatically went out and clobbered the Rams on their banner night, you know. So it it doesn't never happen, if that's the correct sentence. Um, but it's hard for a team that is up and coming but really doesn't have, other than inside their clubhouse or locker room, a pedigree. Now the Lions have won, you know, last half of last year. They were, you know, what, a 6-2, and two, whatever it was, and they had enough moxie to with nothing on the line for them, knock Green Bay out of the playoffs in a game that, quote, meant nothing to them. So uh, the Lions have a lot of firepower. This is their Super Bowl. The good thing for Detroit, and then we'll get to Kansas City, which I know pretty well. Um, the good thing for Detroit, you know, great expectations, et cetera. But tonight, nobody's expecting them to beat the Chiefs. So all of the talk of this is the Lions' year, they haven't won a title since 1957, yes, for your listeners and for you guys, I was alive, but I was two, all right? So I don't remember it. So uh, it's a long time ago. But the, but the pressure isn't on them tonight to be, oh, this is your year. Does that make sense? So they can play free and clear or loose, however you want to say it. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and Andy Reid, with time to prepare for any team like a bye week or, you know, week one, there, you know, the record through the years has been outstanding. It's not an accident. Um, what we got to remember on the Chiefs is, and I think they will win. They, they, you know, they should by um, about a touchdown or six or seven, I think. Um, but boy, it's early to start being the Swami, you know. Um, <laughs> and I, I, we have, must remember that the word dynasty is is a little bit. Um, yeah, thrown around a lot. Yeah, they've hosted five straight AFC championship games. So this is like the Patriots of the next generation. They had Tom Brady, and and what they did is legendary. And these guys have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, and they had Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. And wouldn't it be cool to see a team repeat? No one's done it for two decades. I I, 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 they certainly can. A lot of things happen as defending champ, but they certainly are good enough to 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 repeat. Although we're a long way off from that, so uh, and don't we enjoy watching Patrick Mahomes play football, whether you're rooting for the Chiefs or not? Right, mm-hmm. right, you guys. I mean, it, it it's if if you like football. This is like if you like ice cream. This is the best flavor ice cream. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Definitely. 
there's a lot of incredible matchups uh, in week one, and the Buffalo Bills open their 2023 season against the Jets on Monday Night Football. And I know you've always had uh, a special place in your heart, uh, for sure, for the Buffalo Bills. If there's one lasting image of the Bills season a year ago for me, it's Stephon Diggs sort of going nuclear on Josh Allen on the sideline. And I know that left a tough taste in, in many Bills fans' uh, mouths heading into the offseason. But, you know, you flip the page and they still have a ton of talent in Buffalo. Uh, how are you feeling about the Bills uh, this season? Uh, how many times are they going to be circling the wagons in Buffalo? Well, I feel great about the Bills. I mean, I, I, I still, you know, every year I throw up Buffalo versus San Francisco. I used to do it back in the heyday, and and one of the two of them would make the Super Bowl. That's a, long, that's a while ago now. I, the national, the U.S. national, or out of the Buffalo area is, and I've read it like eight times, I don't know why, is the window closing on the Buffalo Bills. Well, I didn't know Josh Allen turned 40. <laughs> uh, now, maybe you might have got your finger stuck in the window when you closed it, but <laughs> I, no, I, I don't see it at all. Yet, look, they went through, this is not to make excuse, and they would never speak it, but you were sure Go back to what they went through last year, DeMar Hamlin being the most vivid, and the fact that he's playing is just, again, if you're a human being, you're pretty thrilled at this, whether you root for the Bills or not. But what they went through just with him being at the end of the regular season, um, seven feet of snow, you know, two games in five days in Detroit when they're leaving their two-year-olds and wives at home to go play and, you know, drive up through Canada up your way and across and then come back and then go back to play American Thanksgiving and that, and the racially motivated shooting in, in the, the supermarket uh, in the summer. It, it was it, it was a – you could see even in the Miami playoff game that they won – that the energy, and then you saw it with the Bengals, like they had nothing in the tank. I take nothing away. That doesn't signal to me, ooh, well, you know, they got clobbered by the Bengals. The the gap is bigger than we thought. I, they had really nothing left. They wouldn't say it. One or two of them after that game, and you guys may remember, said, I don't know why, we just didn't have we didn't have, if they used the word energy or whatever it was, the motivation they have, but we didn't just have it, and I don't know why. Well, they're human beings. We forget that. So that's aside, and you point out the, the, the digs in Joshua. I find it hard to believe, and I'll get up there this year uh, to their headquarters. I haven't been yet. I've been to Buffalo last month, but um, I'm sure they're fine. And now... They've seeded the clouds a little bit in week one, haven't they? So you're going to play Aaron Rodgers with his Jets debut, and you're going to play in New York on 9-11, and you're going to play on Monday Night Football. So they've seeded the clouds in week one against the Bills, and not intentionally, but, my God, it's set up for you couldn't ask a better trapping if you're a Jet fan, right? Uh, Aaron is 40 or about to be, whatever the number is, but he's – he hadn't taken a hit yet, really, and he's as fresh as he's going to be, and if the Jets are going to beat him, it's going to be here. They might. Uh, I still think the Bills will win because I go back to last 
uh, well, this day last year when they went out and they clobbered the Super Bowl champion Rams. So the, the, the lights won't be too bright for the Bills, and it's a great way for them to set the tone. I, I think, you know, they've, they've made – I think they have everything it takes to be right up there with Kansas City and – you would look at the Bengals, but I think Baltimore is going to surpass the Bengals in that division. So there's one little little prediction. But, look, if the Jets are going to win, it's going to be with what I just outlined. Mm-hmm. I, I think Buffalo wins the game. Yeah, a lot of great storylines headed into week one. We're talking to Chris Berman, NFL studio host at ESPN. Um, just uh, in terms of the Jets, because they've had a lot of offseason hype, and we saw that last year with the, with the uh, Lions, of course. A hard knocks helps with that. Uh, it's kind of the Aaron Rodgers uh, show there. Um, they often have that kind of same narrative as the Dolphins, though. You know, they fall apart. Uh, do you believe that they've got what it takes, the way that this roster is constructed, obviously from the top down with Rodgers, to change the narrative, to make this year something? of competitiveness uh, that AFC East itself is kind of a beast but where do you see the Jets in their power rankings of, of this powerful conference well they're way up there because it's a good question let's preface it by saying you could make a case that I'm just picking it up seven of the top nine teams mm. are in the AFC so we'll start with that so that road will be tougher for anybody including the Bills um the Bills and the Jets and that division play about the toughest schedules just because they are playing uh, the NFC East, who has some had three playoff teams last year, and they're playing. Um, they're they're all playing. They're playing the AFC West, aren't they? So um, those are with the Chiefs and the Chargers, et cetera. So those are rough schedules to start. The Jets' defense looks outstanding. Aaron Rodgers didn't come to lose. Do we plug in and say he's Tom Brady to Tampa and Matthew Stafford to the Rams, and that means they're going to win automatically? No, but they're definitely a playoff team. They are in the top, you know, eight, and I'm just picking a number. You might say they're five or six or seven or eight, and you guys can make your own decisions. But let's look at it this way, too. If you need a really good quarterback to to win, um, the best four or five are in the AFC. You rank them however you want with Mahomes one, and you put Josh, and you put Joe Burrow, and you put Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you can't say, well, he didn't look good last year. I wouldn't. A rejuvenated Aaron Rodgers is a dangerous quarterback if you're playing him. And you might put Herbert ahead of Hertz for Philadelphia. So, like I said, the AFC is a minefield. But I think the Jets, look, they lost, what, five or six a row at the end? You know, they had Zach Wilson, a quarterback. So you plug in Aaron Rodgers with, with a team with a really good defense and, and they look like they have skilled players and he's got two or three of his compadres from Green Bay. I believe as we speak on September 7th that their uh, the power ranking or whatever it is, they're definitely up there in the top eight or nine. And, and I'd be surprised if they don't make the playoffs. Here's the problem, though. Uh, you know, Toronto's a big city, but New York is New York, right? So supposing, I don't mean it goes poorly, supposing it's five and four uh, after nine weeks, then what? You know, is, is the howling in New York, <laughs> shows like this, 
the day he was became a Jet in May, <laughs> I turned on New York Sports Radio, which I don't usually, but I was in the car, and I figured this ought to be entertaining. <laughs> I heard about 12 times. If they don't make the Super Bowl, the whole thing's a complete waste. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. They have the longest playoff drought of any team in football. So they will make the playoffs. I think the Bills beat them out in the division. Uh, Chris, I want to ask you about uh, Lamar Jackson because it was a huge storyline over the course of the offseason, you know, negotiating his own contract, ends up signing a five-year, $260 million deal. And one of the things that I think people are really excited about with Lamar is that he's got probably the best group of receivers that he's ever played with and a new offensive coordinator in Todd Munkin, who it seems like things are going well for him. They're going to be a little bit more pass happy and we're perhaps going to get to see a new side of Lamar Jackson. Do you think that uh, with a new and improved offense that the Ravens can actually have some success in what is probably going to be a very difficult AFC North? I do, uh, and I'm glad you brought him up because, first of all, if you're a football fan, you'd like to see him be healthy for the whole year, again, whether you root for the Ravens or not. Uh, if he is, and he has dedicated himself to become a better passer, not that he's not, but to your point, and you've read it correctly, um, the vertical game will be more than they've had, or at least by intention it will. They have receivers in addition to Andrews, the tight end, who's outstanding. Um, I don't know if Odell Beckham's going to make it the whole year. We don't know. Or Lamar will make it the whole year. But if you have him and the, the young man that was hurt last year, Bateman, and, and the rookie they drafted, Zay Jones, and you know they can run the ball. I mean, because they're built like that, right? The left tackle's great. They, they, they run uh their running game is as good as anybody in football, but they really had no vertical game, so they could stack it. Well, now not so much if everybody's on the field healthy. What the curveball is for Ravens is they've always uh, had among the best defenses in football. They still may, but they're a little thin in some spots for them, not compared to the Arizona Cardinals, for example, who are horrible, but so as many advances as we think they're going to make on offense, as long as they don't step close to that far back on defense, I believe they will overtake the Bengals. And that's saying something because, you know, Cincinnati is, is really good. Um, so I, I think the Ravens are a definite watch. And, you know, when I said Herbert would be five and quarterbacks, I'm, I'm not so sure that I – stated that correctly, that a healthy Lamar Jackson might be your number five quarterback. Um, again, another AFC quarterback. The conference is loaded. Chris, before we let you go, uh, we should definitely get on record what your Super Bowl prediction is so we can circle back at the end of the year, and hopefully you're right. What would you have in that final showdown? Well, you know, I, I do think the Chiefs have a hell of a chance to repeat. And again, I think it would be good in football every 20 years we see it would be, ooh, now you've done something no one's mm -hmm. done since Belichick and Brady, 0304. It's a two decades, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Um, but why would I not <laughs> pick San Francisco, mm. who now will have a healthy quarterback, hopefully, in the playoffs? It wasn't their fault, right? <laughs> and 
Buffalo. I Why would it. I not circle the wagons <laughs> with a pick that I started in '88? I don't. This I haven't done year. it every year since then, but. <laughs> This is 35 years. It's a 30. Let me do the Met right. I mean, it, it's 35 years of making that pick maybe 18 times. Why would I not on radio in Toronto on it. September 7th pick <laughs> circling the wagons on, on the usual pick? So you have it on record, you guys. Okay. Amazing. We've already uh, recorded that and put it in the bank. And uh, you know what? All that betting on the Buffalo Bills is going to pay off sometime, and hopefully it's the, this year. Uh, Chris Berman, we really appreciate you coming on. Um, really, really pleased to get you on here on, on a big day in NFL kickoff uh, for this upcoming season. Enjoy the year, and hopefully we can chat with you down the road. Well, I look forward to it. Thank you very much. Just a quick aside, I know how big of your fans, the NFL fans and CFL fans, you folks are up there, and it's much much appreciated. Primetime was always a hit in Canada, mm-hmm. and um, uh, we, we appreciate it. One other little aside, because you probably got to run to a break. <laughs> I, I took a day. I was up in the Northwest, and I took the plane up and the, the boat back to Victoria. Oh, beautiful. And if you guys, I know it's a long way from Toronto, but <laughs> if, if you guys are up that way in the fall and haven't done Victoria for a while, it was awesome. A little bit of London for a day. It was very interesting. We'll put I it on our list. Just to oh, that's very sweet. Uh, we'll put it on our list. Thanks so much, Chris. Enjoy uh, the rest of your day and tonight's football. See you guys. Enjoy the game. Enjoy the season. We sure will. Thanks, Chris. Chris Berman, NFL studio host at ESPN. Uh, a, certainly the use of legend is, sure. is justified with that guy. Um, we are up against the clock, so let's get to our wake and rake because we got a lot of picks in tonight. People are fired up about Thursday Night Football. Wake up! Now it's time for Wake and Rake. You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money! With Ailish and Justin. I think we're right to do a same-game parlay for tonight. We've been waiting a long time for some Thursday Night Football or football in general. So I'm going to only read, because we have a bunch in here, anything that has to do with uh, Thursday Night Football. So Big E, Eric in Burlington, says uh, Lions plus five and a half in the over. Um... So, and then it's got some NCAA football picks in there as well. Um, Chris in Moncton says Jared Goff over 258 passing yards. He's going to have to keep up with Mahomes somehow. That's right. Uh, we've got Jameer Gibbs, uh, anytime touchdown score many times and Lions money line. A lot of Lions picks in here. Uh, Corey from Port Hope says it feels like Christmas morning today. Uh, likes David Montgomery Anytime touchdown score plus 115 as someone that has David Montgomery on their football team. I, I really I like, like that. that one too. Yeah. Um, he says all the hype is about Gibbs, but I think you'll see Montgomery get most of the red zone, red zone goal line touches. Okay. Yeah. They said they're not going to do much with Gibbs tonight. He mm-hmm. might be uh, not factor in too much. So we also have another pick for Gibbs um, over 30 and a half receiving yards. That's TJ and Stouffville. Lots of Gibbs in here. Um, we've got a wake and rake from Brandon and Keswick with a Laporta anytime touchdown. Lions plus t- 21 and a half and Marlins um, on the spread. And we've got another football, uh, baseball pick from Career Chris. But let's stick with football. Um, I think we both like, we really, really liked Kansas City, but most of our picks are for the Lions. Mm-hmm. And most of our picks are for uh, specific player props. So where do you want to go with your pick? I'll go. Uh, I'll go with. 
I'll go with the, the over Okay. for the, the game. So I'm seeing it in different places, but 53 and a half yeah. seems like a fair uh, pick there. I would love the over on night one of the NFL. Yeah. Give me points. Give me entertainment. Give me fun. Let's go over. Whatever your over is, folks, because it's different on different books, uh, let's pre- press the over as our first option. Um I mean, I'm kind of getting swayed here. Lots of lions, lions, lions. Like, should we just allow the text line to lead us into the lions on the spread? Go for it. it scares me a little bit that people are, like, unanimously high on the lions, but nonetheless. What about the cover of the spread? They are good. They should be good. So, yeah, go for it. Lions on the spread. That'll be a, a team pick, even though a lot of people are thinking. 30-27, and we nail it. Perfect. Um, and then finally, let's do a touchdown score, either Gibbs or Montgomery. So, should we do Montgomery then if people are... Gibbsing it up, or yeah. do you want to just stick with the, the I, team? I think we can stick with Gibbs. Let's do Gibbs. Uh, because they're going to use him in creative ways, and even if he doesn't play uh, a full slate of snaps in week one, he's going to be on the field when it matters. Okay, it sounds like we're a big Gibbs team. Um, okay, this is our same game parlay. <laughs> it's a bit funky, but let's do it. Uh, Gibbs touchdown score over and Lions to cover the spread. Uh, I'm seeing that around plus 500. So put that in. Enjoy it. Uh, tonight is special night. NFL kickoff. That's at 8.20 p.m. And the Blue Jays are off, so you don't have any split-screen viewing. You just dial it in on the couch on one thing. And then we will see you tomorrow morning, Canada basketball, 4.45 a.m. So set your alarms, go to bed early, or right after the football game, how about that? And we'll be on uh, during the game tomorrow, 6 a.m., to help usher you through what will be hopefully Canada's uh, push towards a gold medal. All right, thanks for having a lovely Baby Friday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow morning.